This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast, created because, through no fault of your own, you've become one. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and I know how it feels when you're getting ground down by people issues, constantly firefighting and wondering how on earth you ended up here. In each episode, I invite a guest to discuss a topic and give you three, sometimes more, top tips that will help you in your leadership role. They are experts in the field and you'll find out why they do what they do and what took them down that path. For more resources to help you on your leadership journey, check out thereluctantleader.academy where you'll find details of how to join the Reluctant Leader success path. So let's see who's in the hot seat this week. Today I'm talking to Tricia Maitland. Tricia is passionate about helping people sleep better, reduce their anxiety and grow their confidence so they can live the life they deserve to live. Tricia does this by using the proven techniques of solution-focused therapy and hypnosis, as these techniques firstly help people to focus on the goals they want to achieve and then allow them to access the power of their subconscious mind so dynamic change can take place. Prior to becoming a solution-focused hypnotherapist, Tricia worked for 18 years in the corporate world in human resources and knows firsthand how stressful the corporate world can be. Tricia retrained as a hypnotherapist a few years back and is so happy she did because she now sees how the power of hypnotherapy helps her clients deal with whatever is holding them back so they can begin to perform at their best. Tricia says, I love what I do, seeing my clients improve over the time we work together. One of my clients summed it up perfectly when they said, I don't feel like I am a different person, I just feel like I'm the person I'm meant to be. Hope you enjoy this chat we had about sleep and I'll catch you all on the other side. Tricia, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm really excited to be here to talk about one of my favourite topics. Well, I would a few months ago, I would have thought, well, talking about sleep on a podcast that's directed at uh, uh, people in leadership positions would have been not really a, a very interesting subject. But I came across Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, and I was fascinated, in it, firstly, and then actually it's a real um, eye-opener as to why we need sleep and obviously we're going to be talking about that but before we get into that uh, I ask all my guests there's one question and that is why do you do what you do and what was the pivotal moment that took you down this path right okay so why I do what I do well I haven't always been a hypnotherapist but I've always wanted to help people um, and I guess that started with, with me doing a degree in psychology back you know, a number of years ago when I left school because, um, as I said, I really wanted to help people. But after I did my studies, I thought, actually, I also want to get out and work in the, in the world and earn some money. So then I went into human resources because I felt like I was helping people in the corporate world. Um, and I've, I worked in that for most of my career. So I've worked in lots of different organisations. I've worked for large accounting firms, you know, for IT companies. I've worked in local government. I also worked at Star City Casino uh, in Sydney. Um, and But whilst I was working in HR, I, I was always still really interested in complementary therapies and how we can kind of help ourselves in a holistic sense. So I've studied massage over the years. I've studied Reiki. I'm a qualified reflexologist, but I never really found a thing that was right for me. So back about eight and a half years ago, I came to the UK and met my wonderful husband, Luke, who you know, mm -hmm. um, and got another job in HR. Um, but I think I was starting to reach the end of the road in terms of working in HR because I really wasn't enjoying it as much anymore, but I didn't actually know what I was going to do for my next step. 
So I guess the pivotal moment for me then was coming across hypnotherapy, um, in particular solution-focused hypnotherapy. And um, basically my friend was telling me about this great course that she'd come across. And um, initially when she told me about it, I sort of, I think it sort of went over my head a bit because I I, was, I thought hypnotherapy was a bit woo-woo and, um, you know, the whole look into my eyes make me cluck like a chicken thing. Um <laughs> But the second time she told me about it, it sort of sunk in and I, and I thought, wow, this course sounds great because, you know, solution-focused hypnotherapy is all about getting people to focus on their strengths, what's good in their life, how they want their life to be like, and then using the power of hypnosis to help them achieve that or work towards their goals. Um, and so I went online and I guess that's when I had my eureka moment because I looked at the Clifton practice and I thought, wow, this is what I want to be doing. Um, so then I resigned from my job and I began my training and I just really enjoyed it. Um, and now I've been a qualified hypnotherapist for about the last um, two to three years. And, you know, I love it. I love seeing how hypnotherapy can help with so many different things, whether it's, you know, reducing stress and anxiety or um, getting on top of unhelpful habits like perhaps eating or drinking too much or, you know, helping people achieve their goals or get over fears and phobias or help them stop smoking, you know, basically anything that's holding them back from, you know, living their life to the full. Mm. Um, and I think when it comes to sleep in particular, what I noticed over the time I've been a hypnotherapist is that um, although I see people for lots of different reasons, I'd have to say about 80 to 85% of my clients have also have problems with their sleep. Um, and what I've noticed is that when my clients start sleeping better, they start feeling better mentally and physically and they're able to cope with much more. And, you know, I hope that's also the hypnotherapy, um, but I definitely think there's a connection between sleep and mental and physical well-being. Um, and I guess I also have a bit of a confession to make in that I also have a personal interest in sleep because I have had problems with my sleep, particularly in the last few years. So I'm on, and I'm on a mission to improve my sleep because I know firsthand when I sleep better, I feel better. I'm able to accomplish more and, and enjoy my day more. Um, so, and I've sort of been trying out, finding out works for me and how I can share that with others and so I can really spread the word because I, I guess I think that sleep is a foundation on which everything else sits. And mm. I think that includes being a successful leader in business. Yeah, absolutely. agree with that. And um, it's interesting you say um, about your awareness around your sleep. Um, I, I'm far more aware now since I've, I've read uh, Matthew Walker's book in um, that if I don't get the, the required amount, and I know what that is, and we'll obviously talk about that in a while, um, when I wake up and think, well, I, I haven't had that amount, I'm, and I feel almost like, well, I've, I've I haven't fulfilled what I should be doing to, to, you know, to be my best. Um, and that comes with awareness, doesn't it? A lot of this stuff, it, um, once you're aware, then you can hopefully make better decisions around your sleep. Um, Absolutely. So that's a great story. And, and now we know why you do what you do, which is, um, which is great. You obviously make a big step there moving from HR, but I, I guess you still sort of work in that arena um, so where do, so where do we so where do we um, start with sleep then? What, what do you think the, the, the first thing we should was first think about with uh, regards to sleep? For me, I think if we just like you said, if we have an awareness of what helps us and what hinders us, and the biology behind that, then I think we can make better choices. Um, and I think that's really important because I think sometimes people think 
that they can, I don't know, I don't know for want of a better term, game the system. You know, if I, it's okay if I miss a night's sleep because I can catch up or, um, oh, it doesn't matter because, you know, um, for, that might be for other people, but I can drink coffee till before I go to sleep or drink alcohol. But actually we know that there's certain facts about the body. Um, and so the choices that we make, we really should be thinking about how we can um, you, uh, support our biological systems in the best way because there's, like, there's two basic sleep mechanisms that we have to think about. And the first one is our circadian rhythm, which is our 24-hour body clock. And this uh, our circadian rhythm is, you know, it's where we have, you know, certain chemicals build up in our body when we wake up, such as serotonin and cortisol, and that gets us up and about. And then as we go through our day, that diminishes and melatonin builds up in our body and that pushes us towards sleep. And our circadian rhythm is mostly driven by light and dark. And so that's where we have to think about how we're getting light at the start of our day, how we're getting movement, um, how are we uh, then, you know, when we move towards the end of the day, night triggers the, the sort of wind down and the production of melatonin. So how we make sure that we're not, you know, glued to our devices till, you know, the moment we hop into bed, that we're surrounded by all this light, that we're being stimulated. You know, how are we making sure that we're telling our body that it's time to sleep? Um, and that's really important that we that we're um, by nurturing, I guess, that circadian rhythm so it's functioning the best way. Uh, mm. And the second one is our what's called sleep-wake homeostasis, which is the drive to sleep. And that's really where um, from the moment we wake up, we have this um, chemical in our body called adenosine that builds up throughout the day. Um, and that pushes us towards that sleepiness. Um, and so, again, if we're doing things like, um, and again, caffeine's slightly contentious because some people, like I have a friend who can have a double espresso at 10 o'clock at night and still fall asleep. Um, but for, for me, for example, I can't really drink um, coffee after um, 2 p.m. because that really affects my sleep because caffeine um, stops uh, us registering the amount of adenosine in our body. So it's things like that where we, we know these things, this, these systems are in our body. This is, this is what drives us. You know, mm. to wake up and fall asleep. So that's why we, you know, why we're told these tips because it's really about how we can um, function in the best way, so we can allow these systems to work. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that springs to mind, um, not being an expert in this, is obviously the rhythm thing is interesting because mm. there are two things actually. Um, having just been across the Atlantic not so long ago, a few weeks ago, and that jet lag thing, I think that's worth. Um, obviously, that's connected to that rhythm thing, I guess. And also shift work um, uh, and how that works for people that are, you know, having those different um, shift patterns and how that affects. So those, those two things are, are quite a big deal, aren't they? Mm, they definitely are because, again, you know, the, the, our systems are the way that they are. And, you know, say, for example, jet lag, you know, for every um, – every hour difference, you know, at one to one and a half hours difference in terms of time zone, we need a day to recover. So, you know, so if you're going to the other side of the world, it can take you seven to eight days to fully recover from that. But there are obviously certain things that we can do to help ourselves. Um, you know, say, for example, we're, we're looking after ourselves before we get even get on the plane. So we're not sort of, you know, we're, we're making sure we're getting enough sleep and we're in the best possible shape when, before we, we do our travel. Mm. And not this, you know, and if we're sort of getting up early or going to bed late, then that's not helping us in any way. Um, but, you know, in terms of when we're 
flying and things like that, it's, you know, as we all know, adjusting as soon as we get on the plane in a way, thinking about where we're going and the time frame there um, mm. so that um, we're sort of uh, starting to get ourselves into that uh, rhythm. And, um, you know, Matthew Walker talked about this in the um, podcast with um, Dr. Ranjan Chatterjee. I'm not quite sure if that's how to say his name right, but they talked a lot about this and there was some interesting tips that they had, such as, you know, when you arrive in your destination, get a lot of daylight exposure um, and walk around with, you know, with at least at least half an hour with, you know, without wearing sunglasses so that you're telling your body that you're, you know, if you're arriving there in daytime, that, you know, getting that circadian rhythm, thinking, okay, it's daylight now. So getting yourself used to that, um, making sure that you're eating at the time, you know, even on the plane, don't eat when you're given the food necessarily, think about mealtimes in the place that you're going. Another thing is, you know, when in the afternoon wearing sunglasses so that your body is not taking in the light so it can start to think about winding down. Exercise when you get there, particularly in the morning when you can. Um, you know, so it's, and, and with sleep, they say try and sleep early in the flight or the middle rather than at the end so that you can build up that adrenaline in the body so that you can, um, then start to feel sleepy if you're getting there in the night time. So there's certain things that you can do yeah. um, to really help yourself um, in, in for jet lag. But again, um, you know, it, it, is a, it, it is a factor of a fact of life, I guess, because that's our circadian rhythm and it does take us a amount of time to get over that. But yeah, there's yeah, a list yeah. of things that we can do to help ourselves. And, you know, it's the same with um, shift work. It is, you know, shift work isn't good for us I mean, that's just a fact, I think. Um, but people have to do shift work. You know, we need nurses and we need policemen and, you know, it's fantastic that they're doing what they're doing for society, but it isn't mm. good for us. So, you know, but there are certain things that are suggested, you know, in the business of sleep book and um, how to sleep well by Neil Stanley and obviously Matthew's book. They're the, my three favourites. Mm. Um, but they talk about things like if you're doing shift work, then, you um, have your shifts if your shifts change make sure you start sort of in the morning then you know doing morning shift and then day shift and then evening shift so that you're kind of going through the day if you have to kind of rotate Do you mm. know some people have to go you know change their shift pattern so it's making sure that you're um doing it in that way rather than going you know from evening to morning or something like that and then if you finish and it's daylight wear sunglasses which sounds a bit weird but block the light from your eyes so that you can tell yourself you're ready to sleep you know, having a, a sleep routine and, you know, um, there are obviously, yeah, so certain things you can do, not having alcohol three hours before you need to sleep because it mm -hmm. affects our sleep. Um, but, yeah, I, I do feel for people who do shift work because it does, it does affect our sleep quality yeah, yeah. and quantity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned alcohol there, which is an interesting one because mm. a lot of people, um, they'll have the nightcap or the, you know, uh, and mm -hmm. which they think is going to help them sleep, but actually yeah. it's not helping them at all, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, again, because, um, as I say, Neil Stanley, How to Sleep Well, he sort of, t and I've, I've heard him speak as well, um, but he talks about that, you know, if if someone has a sip of sherry at night and that helps them and that makes them feel good and they feel they wake up feeling refreshed, then kind of go for that. But if people are using alcohol, um, if they're drinking a lot of alcohol, if they're drinking a few hours before sleep, um, you know, I, I know people who use it as a way to get to sleep. Um, it, it really does affect your sleep and research shows that time and again. 
Um, and the th- but the thing is with alcohol, it kind of tricks you a bit because it does help us fall asleep. It's very, it's true. So if people struggle to fall asleep, they may go, well, I'm just going to have a few drinks because I'll just pass out. It definitely does do that. But what alcohol does do is that it um, affects the depth of our sleep over the evening and it also really affects the second half of our night um, because our night's kind of broken into two halves. We, we have more of our deep sleep in the first third to half and then we have more of our REM sleep where we dream in our second half. So it really affects our REM sleep because alcohol um, increases our body temperature, which wakes us up. So we're a lot more restless um, and we're not allowing the REM sleep to do its job. So that's why people wake up feeling groggy and grumpy and emotionally probably not in in the best place because alcohol really does affect us, definitely. Yeah, and I've had a, a, a confirmation of that because my partner's been away for the weekend. She doesn't really drink that much and um, she couldn't sleep last night even though she was very tired. And I said that's, mm. that's probably the, you know, because obviously they were hitting the Prosecco and obviously that was still... I guess, in their system and um, yeah. having that knock-on effect. Mm. Okay, so um, we haven't mentioned about actually how much sleep we should get. Um, so w- what's your what's your uh, view on that? So the research says that most people sit within a seven to nine hour range. Um, and there are some people who need less and some people who, le- who need more. So the guidelines are saying if it's less than six or more than 10, then, then that's really not advisable at all. Mm. Um, so there are some people who are in the six to seven hours, there's some people in the nine to 10 hours, but I think most people sit within that seven to nine hours. Um, and what we know though is in the UK, Sleep Foundation did a study in 2013 and found that 35% of people get less than seven hours sleep, um, and 18% get less than um, get less than six. So, mm. um, yeah. So there, I think there's a bit of a problem. Yeah, sounds like. It. And, and what about um, at different stages in our life? You know, our age. Yeah. Uh, does, does it does it change over our um, lifespan? Um, I don't think the need. For, I don't think the need for sleep changes over our lifetime, um, but I think our sleep patterns can change over our lifetime. Certainly, I mean to be fair, though, you know, when we're children and babies, and you know, we need more sleep, absolutely. Um, but when we reach adulthood or young adulthood, you know, that kind of stays constant mm. um, throughout our lives. But our sleep can change. Um, you know, for men, it can be sort of forty-five years old upwards. Women, it could be you know men sort of 35 to 45, women 45 to 55, obviously for women, you know, menopause and things like that can affect that. And so um, so our sleep can be affected. Um, in particular, our deep sleep uh, can diminish a bit as we get older. And yeah. that's why I kind of think of it a bit like an elastic band. You know, when we're younger, we can wear our elastic band, our flexibility is much more you know, stretchy uh, in terms of, you know, being able to do late nights and party and all that sort of stuff. Um, but as we get older, um, that that um, flexibility, um, elasticity diminishes. And that's why I think we even have to be more aware and of the things that help us sleep um, because I think we can, obviously the, the quality can be affected as we get older. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, sleeping and dreaming obviously go together. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know that... I, Again, I've I've read um, why we sleep, but and I know he talks about it. But why do, why is it we dream? What what's the purpose of that, and and, and why is it good for us? Yeah, I think um, so. From a in terms of why it's good for us, so so like I said, we our sleep 
is broken up into two halves, if you will. Um, one is the first half is the deep sleep. The second is where we have much more of our REM sleep. And if you think about our sleep cycle, uh, the REM sleep is the last, generally the last 20% of that sleep cycle. Um, and so the reason why we dream from, you know, this is what I kind of tell all my clients, um, one of the main reasons why we dream is that it's all about um, uh, where we, sorry, in REM sleep, when we dream, that's really where we process our emotional memories um, and the things that have happened to us throughout the day. So say, for example, say someone upsets you in the day and you still think about it and you go to bed and when you dream, you'll process that event and you might, might even form part of your dream or it might be something totally unrelated. Um, but what will happen is you've moved it from being that, in that emotional place in your brain um, to where you, um, it's a more of a narrative memory. So when you wake up, you've either forgotten about it or you can think about what happened to you in a more rational, objective way. Um, and so that's why you know, REM sleep is so important to process our emotions. Um, it's also really good for our procedural memory. So if we're learning new tasks, uh, particularly, you know, let's say procedural things, then um, then that really helps us to consolidate that memory. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think all mammals dream um, and there's still some debate about, you know, people like to obviously think there's some other deep reason for it, but um, but that's from a, in terms of how it helps our brain and it helps our um, ability to cope and um, deal with the day. Mm. It's like a like a filing system where we sort of like put things in the right place so we can sort of record them at a later date. I think it's, it's something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that's that's because you've got REM and non-REM. So obviously mm. non-REM is more of the majority of our sleep than REM. Mm. So non-REM, particularly deep sleep, that also has a lot to do with you know uh, refreshing our memory, um, as you say, the filing cabinet. So we kind of process things, we put it in our filing cabinet so that we can, you know, get it uh, when we need it again. So it helps us, um, it helps us be creative. It helps us uh, be innovative. You know, it's a lot, I mean, sleep's just amazing. So yeah, it does definitely. Mm. So, um, and so when, ways. when they say, you know, when you've got something on your mind, um, it's it's actually a good thing to sleep on it for for not only that well you're just in a better place in the morning and also your brain has had time to sort of process what's been going on and maybe put you in a different place uh, to make a better decision I guess absolutely and that's why you know if you're a leader in your business why would you why would you not want to sleep because you will your your brain's so active when you're asleep it doesn't just it doesn't go to you know go into uh, you know this sort of a low you know mode of action there's a lot of stuff happening um and you know it's almost like weeding the garden mm. you know so we're sleeping there's you know in our deep sleep there's very restorative it's where we regenerate cells it's a part of the sleep where we actually grow you know for, you know in terms of for kids so there's lots of stuff there's lots of reasons why we want to sleep but yeah we i'm sure we've all had those moments you know i had it recently when you know one of the things you ask is what are your top three tips and i'm like oh i don't know and then i go to sleep i wake up the next morning and the first thing that pops into my head is oh that's going to be my first top tip you know it, it's our brain is working a lot when we're asleep um and, you know, you know, research shows that it is just so valuable. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I read that, um, you know, as I say, if you're a leader, um, research shows that employees feel less engaged in their work if their leaders have had a bad night's sleep. So it's not just you that you can influence, you can actually influence other people, um, mm. you know, if you sleep better. 
So it is, yeah, I just think sleep's so valuable. It's just something that you shouldn't restrict yourself from getting whatever you need, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, just I read uh, also that um, top athletes and Premier League football teams have sleep coaches, obviously not all of them, but some of them do. Mm. And obviously that's an indication of how sleep improves our performance because uh, that is, you know, we're talking about uh, athletes and, you know, at the top of the game that, uh, you know, it's not all about uh, training. It's about actually getting the recovery time as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's definitely the case. I mean, Harvard University, for example, they did a study with basketball players where they well, got them to sleep 10 hours a night. And what they found is shooting accuracy and their free throw percentage in, improved significantly. But they also reported increases in their own physical and mental well-being. Um, and they, another study showed that athletes who sleep less than eight hours a night were 70% greater risk of injury than those who slept more than eight hours. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, research is definitely showing, yeah, for sport, for work, for all areas, it can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a great lead in, actually, because um, in Matthew Walker's book, he talks about the twice a year live experiment that goes on, which is daylight saving time. Um, mm. When we, obviously, in those times, we either get, we gain an extra hour or we lose mm-hmm. an hour. And mm-hmm. apparently, uh, on those occasions when we lose an hour, the occurrences of uh, road accidents actually uh, is quite obviously increased by uh, a certain percentage. I can't remember what the percentage was, but mm. it, it seems to be quite common on those days that there's always an increase in, in, um, in road accidents. Absolutely. Well, you know, if we don't get enough sleep, um, it can actually impair us like like we're over the limit in terms of, you know, we're drunk Mm. too much. I think they've found people who, if you haven't slept for 19 hours, it's like you've got uh, an alcohol reading of over 1.1 or something like that. So, yeah, Yeah. if if people are missing out on an hour of sleep and it pushes them into that danger zone, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Um, and unfortunately, the time is running out. And, wow, that um, was as, quick. <laughs> yeah, I know. It always goes through quick. Um, so we've got to that point where we need to yes. leave the listeners with these um, golden nuggets, those three top tips or more if you, if you can't um, just get them down mm. to three. So what would those mm-hmm. top tips be for anyone that is looking to improve their sleep? Yeah, so... I think, yeah, I did find this a bit tricky because I think sleep's a bit like a science experiment um, that's made up of lots of different ingredients. And I think we all have our own special formula. Um, So my special formula could be slightly different to your special formula. Uh, But like I said at the start, you know, um, there are certain biological processes that we know are the same for all of us. Um, So I think, you know, tip one for me is... I think one of the most important things you can do is make sure you have a regular time when you go to bed and a regular time when you wake up. Um, You know, in a way, we're still like babies and babies like routine. Um, And so that's really important that we, and because I think this is something that we don't do, you know, we're up, we might be watching Netflix and the next episode comes on as your favorite show. So you just let that, you know, that click the button and you're watching the next episode. So your 10.30 bedtime could become your 11.30 bedtime. And um, and the thing is, is that, you know, like I said, we have a night of two halves um, where we have deep sleep at the, the first half, more of our REM sleep in the second half. And we can't, we can't catch up on sleep so much because our body's used to the time that we normally go to bed. So I think making sure that we have a regular time when we go to bed and wake up 
Um, and then also the other thing though is, um, which, you know, you asked about the amount of sleep and, you know, you've, you're more aware of that and figuring out your, the amount that you need is also really important. So it's no good if you're going to bed at 11 and you're waking up at six, if you actually need eight hours a night. Um, because if you think about it over the course of seven to eight days, you've missed one night of sleep. So, um, you know, and the thing is the amount of sleep we need is genetic. You know, you can't sort of change that. You are what you are. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really important is to also make sure you get the amount of sleep that you need. Uh, I know I've put two tips in there, but that's my <laughs> tip one. Um, okay. And I think tip two is really making our bedroom conducive to sleep. Um, and that means making sure we have a cool room, making sure we have a quiet room and making sure we have a dark room. Um, again, this is a lot to do with our circadian rhythm and how our body works. So a cool room because we actually need to lose a degree of body heat overnight. Um, so making sure it's as cool as possible, uh, making sure it's quiet um, because noise can really affect us and wake us up. Even if we don't fully awake, it does affect our quality of our sleep. Um, and this is where people who listen to the TV or perhaps even listen to podcasts, no offence, Mark, um, <laughs> is not, not such a good thing. Um, actually having it quiet is really important. And then also making sure it's a dark room because, again, this circadian rhythm um, is actually quite sensitive and, and even sort of a light bulb for, for a number of minutes. Like a light bulb's worth of light over a number of minutes can actually kick that circadian rhythm off again into wakefulness. And this is where people who have their devices, they're like looking at it, you know, they're hopping off to bed, it's by their bed, they've got the TV on, all that kind of stuff um, can really affect our circadian rhythm. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where I would really recommend to not have your electronic device by your bed. If it's your alarm clock, then really think about that. You know, you can get alarm clocks that um, they actually, the light turns off when you, when, you know, overnight. So it's not flashing or, or lighting up the room. So there's lots of things that you can do in that regard. And the th tip number three, I think, you know, I guess because I'm a hypnotherapist and I'm focused on the mind um, is really making sure that you quieten your mind before going to sleep. Um, and this is something that I think a lot of us, and I, and I can put my hand up here as well, do not help ourselves because we are stimulated all the time. You know, we we've, we've, can have 24-7 light if we want. We can have 24-7 entertainment with Netflix, with gaming, or we're doing work right up to the time we go to bed. And we don't have any downtime anymore. And so people are there, you know, five minutes before they're going to sleep, you know, checking their emails. And I'm, as I said, I've been guilty of this. And then we straight away hop into bed and expect to sleep. Um, and so we really need to think about how we give ourselves some downtime. So, you know, particularly that last hour before bed, but, you know, put away your devices, turn down the lighting, you know, do something relaxing that you enjoy, like listening to music or having a bath or listening to a guided meditation, doing some deep breathing. Uh, another thing that's really great is doing some journaling so that you can get your thoughts down. Could be, you know, what you've done for the day, what you've got to do tomorrow, reflecting on what's been good about your day or even just letting your mind drift and daydream and <laughs> stare off into the distance because um, we really don't do this anymore. And I, I do think that's, um, that's really a detriment to a lot of us. Um, and just to add, again, sort of tying in with that, but it's almost like tip number five, but, um, but I think, um, you know, one of the things that I know ha has really helped my clients and it helps me is listening to a guided meditation um, as you drift off to sleep. So, 
Um, and that's, as I say, not, it's not the TV or anything like that, but it's listening to something that's really relaxing. So I've, I've got guided meditations that I've created for my clients um, and I get them to listen to that as they're drifting off to sleep. I listen to it as I'm drifting off to sleep um, and I really notice a difference in being able to get to sleep and also the quality set that I've had. So, and when I haven't listened to it for a couple of weeks, I know I wake up, I start to feel more anxious. Um, and I, so I do notice when my clients listen to that every day, they do get better. And it doesn't have to be mine, of course. You know, there's like Calm or Headspace or any of those other apps where you can get meditations. But if you do find drifting off to sleep, that could be something that's really about a benefit. Mm. Um, and my last thought, because I think this is really important as well, when, we're, when we can't sleep, and I've been there, you know, people can even get sleep anxiety. I, I totally feel your pain because I totally understand. But it's really important whatever we try is that there's no magic, you know, one you know, no magic pill that's going to fix you um, and that will work miraculously the first time. So if you are having problems with your sleep, you know, please, whatever you try, give it a go for a few weeks because if you've gotten yourself into bad sleep habits, then, you know, it's just like learning a new language or riding a bike. It's going to take time to get a new routine established. So, you know, be patient with yourself, be accepting of where you are right now, you know, do the things that nurture you and, you know, have faith that things will improve because they will if you stick with it. Fantastic. Um, what what more can I say? I, it summed up really, really nicely. Um, it's interesting, actually, the one thing we didn't talk about was actually sleeping pills, which obviously aren't a good thing. And people can look that up um, because obviously it's it's not really natural sleep. But thank you ever so much for your time today, Tricia. I've really enjoyed it. I think it's it's something that everyone should be taking on board. And, and not only if you're in a leadership position, but anybody should be aware of the the, the 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 amount and also the quality of the sleep they're having so uh, thank you thank you again for your time thank you mark i've really enjoyed talking to you today thank you for listening don't forget to check out the reluctant leader.academy and if you get a chance please leave a review on whichever platform you have been listening and also share the love by sharing the episode with someone who would benefit Leadership is a choice. If you have the right mindset, know the process to follow and the key skills to use at each point in the process, you have everything you need to leave a lasting legacy. Don't forget to put into action anything that has struck a chord in this episode. And until next time, be the best you can be.